Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. What's your view of money? The root of evil? A tool? The thank you for providing value? Freedom? Whatever it is, like your time, it's got to be invested strategically. Today on episode 28 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Liam Leonard. Liam is an expert in investing, and that takes intelligent strategy, just like his favorite sport of soccer. Let's talk about strategy and finance and life and how that sets up our ongoing personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. Being strategic is one of the 34 strengths finder strengths, but it isn't in my top five. I would say I do have some visionary traits, though, and I believe that every leader must craft a compelling vision for him or herself first and then for their organization. Then they must be able to cast that vision in a way that makes everyone want to join in and pursue the better tomorrow that the leader paints for them. Then the hard part, the execution of the vision week after week, step by step, one small win at a time while keeping the team unified in the process. Sounds tiring, huh? But the best leaders have a compass, a map, and a lantern for making that happen. The compass for overall direction, the map, for how to get there, and the lantern for illuminating the very next steps for attaining the vision. Besides human resources, money is probably the biggest resource for attaining personal and corporate vision. So let's talk about it. My guest today is Liam Leonard. Here's a little bit about Liam. He's a successful investor and owner of DML Capital. He brings expertise worth following to a new and experienced investors alike. DML focuses on real estate debt, working with real estate investors across the country to get financing to complete their projects. He has an economics degree from Yale, a master's degree from UCLA Anderson with a concentration in real estate finance and an executive management background in the corporate world. He holds a black belt in Taekwondo and is a professional soccer referee. When he's not investing, Liam spends most of his time with his beautiful wife, Rachel, and their two sons. We met on LinkedIn, and I guessed it on his podcast, eager to repay the favor and introduce you all to him. Welcome, Liam. Thanks, Paul. Super excited to be here, and thanks for that uh, very kind introduction. Well, Liam, as I'm reading the introduction, you've been educated in some impressive programs, Yale, UCLA. How did those experiences shape your future? Lots of fancy pieces of paper, that's for sure. Uh, very expensive, as my parents and I would tell you. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing coming out of those is is two components. Number one, um, Yale's a liberal arts school, right? So uh, I wanted a business degree. They don't have business, right? So the closest you can get is econ. Um, really what they do is they teach you how to think uh, and how to tackle different problems, right? So... Uh, I thought that was very valuable, right? And so instead of going into subject matter expertise, uh, you're learning how to exercise the brain in different ways. And uh, that was super helpful. 
uh, I think the other component of it is the networks, right? Uh, a big part of my success and big part of success in general, right? Uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, and there is a tremendous group of people that comes from those institutions, uh, you know, that I had the opportunity to be a part of and, uh, you know, go through the programs with them who are doing incredible things. And so, you know, being able to be connected with them, have them challenge me in my way of thinking, right? Have them push me to be more successful. Um, uh, you know, me be able to help and give back to them as well, uh, has been super rewarding, uh, and definitely, you know, helped. Um, the other part is having those names on your, your resume opens a lot of doors, right? So, uh, that part is very helpful, particularly early in my career in the corporate world, uh, getting opportunities, uh, that maybe I had no, no, <laughs> no real point of being there other than that, uh, you know, I was a smart guy and had a, a nice degree, uh, gave me a shot. And then, you know, I was able to take that shot. So. I love the way you said about networks, you know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, uh, I'd love for you to expand a little bit on what a network does for your success, you personally, and just anyone's success. You mentioned they can challenge you. They, they push you towards more success. You get a chance to give back to them. What else would you say a network, uh, developing a network, why does that become such a priority? Yeah. Um, so I'm very much a believer in, uh, you know, the iron sharp sharpens iron yes. uh, type of mentality. I grew up with two brothers um, <laughs> and uh, there, there's always competition. Right. And so uh, that desire to be better, to identify, you know, where there's opportunities to close those gaps uh, to improve uh, has always been a huge part of me. Right. And so these networks. Right. And these friends that I, you know, I went to school with, I played soccer with. Uh, you know, we've got some deep bonds, you know, when I see their success, it, it does two things. One, it's like, Hey, I'm immensely proud and supportive of them, uh, and everything that they've been able to accomplish. Right. In some cases I've been able to help them, you know, in my expertise of, you know, finance, real estate, investing, and, and how that's moved their company or their personal life. Right. And so there's another intrinsic tie. And then there's another part that's like, man, they're doing great. Like I want to do great too. Right. And, uh, you know, how do we go do that as well? And, you know, there's a reciprocal nature, uh, of most relationships, right. Where if I'm able to help support them, uh, they naturally want to come back and help support you be successful as well. And so the power of that network is, uh, the people we went to school with went into loads of professions in tons of different places. Right. And so, um, you know, whether it's selling medical devices, building, you know, product companies, uh, building service companies, Teach for America, uh, you know, solving education for, you know, new uh, for kids who are, you know, can't afford to be in the good schools or have the trade education. Right. Like so all of these amazing things. And as you go through life, there's always people that are coming up. Right. That can benefit from communicating or knowing these other people, right? So sometimes it's not even me, it's, you know, hey, I'm connecting them with someone else or there's someone else who could use some help that I'm connecting back to them. Uh, and that's been hugely rewarding for me, right? To be that um, concierge, so to speak, right? Of, uh, of some <laughs> of these relationships to, to help enrich people's lives. Concierge of connecting. I think we should uh, <laughs> trademark that one. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast, but I joined a 
uh, a, a rising tide connection mastermind group. And I was with these impressive people in San Diego a few weeks ago. And I felt junior varsity in the room, to be honest, the imposter syndrome came in and I was just like, wow, these people are amazing. They're hitting home runs, grand slams, but you're right. It just, it just lifts you. Um, you do get the opportunity to speak into them. They speak into you and just inspires you to be great when you hang around great people. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for adding that, those, uh, those gems on there. How difficult was it for you, Liam, to go from a corporate job to being a business owner? And I'm, I'm really curious to find out how your year one was. I know what mine was. Yeah. Um, as I look back, I was always an entrepreneur. Uh, and I always had that spirit, right? So my corporate career, I changed jobs every nine to 15 months. Uh, wow. Jobs or roles, <laughs> right? So uh, I was never satisfied doing one functional thing or, you know, being in one spot. And so that entrepreneurial nature of like, okay, what's next? Uh, how do I go solve something else? Uh, wanting to go on and do something bigger, right? I think was always uh, in me. Uh, I remember a mentor you know, who's sitting beside me and, you know, I was thinking of going and working for him. Uh, and his response was, I would never hire you. I was like, what? <laughs> goes, You're not going to be satiated until you work for yourself. Uh, and so I was like, okay. So that was kind of always back of mind. Um, for me, I was fortunate to be successful in my corporate career and, and saved a bunch of money and, uh, you know, tuck that away. The investing side of my, uh, my personal has always been very prevalent. And so when, when the decision came to leave corporate, uh, which was largely a family decision, as well as um, I didn't want to spend more time on planes. I didn't want to spend more time away from the family. We were looking at starting a family. Uh, we took some time off and I knew I had about a you know two year runway where I could go try, try and do anything and see, see how it worked. Right. And so um, took about six months off. And then when I, once I dove in, uh, it was a slog. Uh, it was super <laughs> painful, right? Those first couple of deals that came across uh, wasn't taking any income, right? But was just learning, right? And I think taking the pressure off and knowing that I didn't have the pressure to make money allowed me to grow the company in the right way and approach it from a, you know, let's go learn, let's figure it out, um, uh, let's figure out where the, you know, competitive advantages are and what we're going to do, how we add value to our investors, how we add value to our borrowers. Um, and really, it really allowed me to set the foundation to figure out what the right structure was. Probably took about 18 months to get to the right structure. Okay. And then once we had that right structure, we could start to grow. And fortunately, we started to make money right about that, you know, two-year mark when that uh, reserve was running out. So, <laughs> um, but the, those first two years were, were challenging, right? Uh, we had a newborn at the time, lots of hours. It, you're in the trenches trying to figure, figure, is this going to work? Right. Lots of uh, got to have a lot of confidence to get through the self-doubt phase of uh, those first couple of years, but really glad I did. So you'd say the confidence to overcome self-doubt's a big deal. Having some money in the bank before taking the jump <laughs> is a big deal so that you don't feel maybe even desperate there at the beginning or running around, uh, you know, throwing out business cards uh, from an airplane <laughs> at the beginning, yeah. but uh, get the right structure in place. I think uh, I probably didn't spend enough time doing that myself. And even now, you know, trying to work on some systems. So it sounds like you did it the, the wise way. 
I really like how you started by saying, you know, the entrepreneur mindset is always thinking, what's next? What can I solve? You know, when, when you sniff out an entrepreneur or if, if one of our guests or our, our listeners was saying, I wonder if I'm an entrepreneur, I wonder if I should work from myself. Uh, what other indicators would you say? Yeah, you're probably cut out to be an entrepreneur. The one my wife tells me all the time is I don't care what other people think. Uh, oh. <laughs> which is a massive one for being successful, right? Because, yes. Uh, when I started, my entire family told me I was crazy, right? Why are you wow. giving this high paid, cushy corporate gig where you're on a fast track to go do what? Like, uh, what are you going to go do? Right. And so that ability to internalize and know that you've got something good and being able to push through, right? It, it ties in with that, that self-confidence piece. Uh, is critical, right? That's one of the uh, biggest traits of an entrepreneur, right? Uh, I think the other component is the willingness to do anything, uh, right? Whether it's vacuuming, taking out the trash, right? Uh, going through the accounting, if you hate numbers, right? And understanding it, trying to learn marketing, right? Like you got to do it all, right? And if you have an aversion to doing that or hiring someone to do that, right? Like you're not going to be successful, right? Uh, if you know you like one thing and you only like to do one specific thing or one function, right? You're probably an employee. You're probably not an entrepreneur, right? Um, <laughs> yep. If you, uh, when you listen to people talk and you, you say like, hey, I would do this. There's a better way to do it. Uh, why aren't we doing this, right? That's a, a key sign that you're an entrepreneur, right? Um, uh, the entrepreneurs are always looking for, you know, where's that white space? How can you do things better? Uh, how can we innovate? How can we improve? What is right? Um, and so that's part of the visionary that you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. But then you also have to have the the conviction and the confidence to go and go and try it, right? And put yourself yes. out there and be willing to take the risk, right? And and know that if it doesn't work out, you'll be okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's great. Um, so I don't think I've ever talked about somebody with somebody about, yeah, what does it, what are some of the little check boxes you, that go through your mind all the time? Because I had all those while I was in the day job and uh, it was actually became frustrating after a while, which is probably why you jumped every nine to 15 months because you got frustrated about it. Like, all right, I've, I've got to work for myself. And then somebody gave you that little clue, like you've got to work for yourself. Somebody finally said that to me too. And I just, I wasn't considering, it wasn't even on the radar, uh, but then it was like, wow, best decision I ever made. Well, what is DML Capital, Liam, and how do your clients benefit from your services? So DML Capital uh, was our initial founding name. We're actually in the process of a rebrand going to uh, Enrich Capital. And so nice. for us, it's all about how we enrich people's lives, right? And so there's two ways that we do that. Number one is uh, working with investors, right? So uh, people who are looking for consistent returns, preserving capital, right? Uh, this would be similar to a fixed income, a bond, something like that with higher returns, right? Uh, we're netting double digit returns to the investors uh, without any, with, we can't say without risk, right? Everything right. comes with low risk. Yeah. <laughs> but my whole job is how do you mitigate that risk, right? To make it as small as possible and have, you know, greater returns than the alternatives in the market. And so um, with us, it's all about how do we share that story, right? So people who are interested, right? Who don't know this exists can have can have a better life, right? If you were in the bond market, you're earning two percent versus ten percent. 
man, that's a 5X difference. Compound that over several years, right? Like now we're making meaningful impacts in people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's grandma, whether that's aunt, mom, dad, right? Like whoever it is, uh, that's awesome, right? And so we love to be able to do that. The other side is that we work with um, effectively real estate investors. Those are the ones who are borrowing money from us. Uh, And if you've watched HGTV and you see the fix and flips and uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? A lot of those are our clients, right? Where they'll go and they'll find the property. They want to move quickly. Um, We'll underwrite the project with them. We'll make sure that they can make the uh, appropriate margins. They have the appropriate buffers uh, and we'll lend them the money, right? And they give us a much higher uh, return, right? Uh, We're typically charging 12% interest plus. They're okay with that because it's short term, right? Generally, it's three to six months. They're knocking out the project. And by knocking out the project, they're going to have a a huge appreciation gain, right? So you're willing to pay 12% for six months when you're going to make an extra hundred grand. The interest in that, you know, pales in comparison to what the upside is, right? And so that's that's how we create win-wins across the board. But company is all about how do we enrich people's lives, right? Uh, And that's what we want to do in everything uh, and that we do and everyone that we come in contact with. For those on the outside looking in on investing, I know it's on my my bucket list to do more of that myself. What would you encourage them to think about first? So just beginner investing. Beginner investing goes to budgeting and goes to where do you want to be? Uh, what sort of life? do you want to have, right? And you've got to be able to cast out into the future, working with, you know, a coach or just someone who can help give you perspective, right? Uh, In terms of where do you want to be in 50 years, right? Where do you want to be when you retire? What does that look like? And then working back from there, you can kind of figure out, uh, okay, what am I going to need to be able to support that lifestyle, right? And then there's a combination of, okay, how do you save? What does that look like, right? Um, But having that vision is critical, right, to knowing and having some sort of value against saving or investing, right? If you don't have the vision, saving or investing is just a a pot of money on the side that's prohibiting you from buying a fancy car or a bigger house, right? Uh, If there's no vision, uh, there's no purpose there, right? Uh, So you need the vision first. And then the second is, you know, starting to to tuck things away, right, Um, in whatever you're most comfortable and familiar with that can get you compound interest, right? You got to go after compound interest and you got to go after it early. Uh, and the money you tuck away, you should largely leave it to the side and allow it to, to grow and, and, and develop right into what you want for the future, right? So if someone was going to come to me first, right, it would be, okay, what are your expenses? Let's lock in those expenses, uh, giving yourself the, the freedom and the, uh, to do the things that you want and live the lifestyle you want. And then everything above that, let's start tucking away, right? And finding different different vehicles to go invest in. But then you have a pot of money, right? Or some, a goal that you're achieving or, or working towards that you can uh, start to put plans against. Love it. Love it. Thanks for breaking that down. Appreciate it. So you were at a conference, I think, recently. Um, and tell us more about it. There's, there's Innovate. I saw on your, on your Facebook, Captivate. You're even nominated for an award. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So uh, the award I'm nominated for in our industry, right, we're in the effectively they call it the private lending industry. It's where uh, we represent private individuals who have capital and we're investing on their behalf. 
Um, so I've been nominated for the Bright Star Award, right, which is the, uh, you know, the best up and comer, so to speak, that's a uh, younger guy, right? And so uh, I love it. That's where I've always played, right? So uh, <laughs> uh, that part's really fun. But the conference is put on by one of the industry leaders uh, in the space, uh, Jirachi. They're a, they're a law firm. And uh, the conferences are all about and we were talking about networks, right? So it's all about getting together with your peers who are doing private lending. And the industry is actually fairly nascent, right? It's, uh, you know, probably 2008, 2009. It was there before, but it had a really bad rap of, you know, mafiosos coming to your door with a baseball bat to replant <laughs> debt, right? Um, and it's evolved into a, a very a market that, you know, we're working with Wall Street now to collateralize things and uh, you know, bring it to the retail market, uh, which is super exciting, right? It's providing access uh, for higher returns to a lot of people. Uh, but the conference is all about that network, right? It's meeting people who are doing uh, what you're doing, sharing best practices, um, trying to figure out where the holes in are in your business and how you can jump and grow forward. Um, trying to figure out who the partners are that you could be working with, right, to do things differently. Um, and so uh, those conferences, you know, I always approach with a very open mind to, to say, you know, how can we get better? You know, where do we grow forward? Um, what are people doing really well? What are the trends? Uh, how do we make sure we're on top of those? How do we position the business to continue to reduce risk while taking advantage of some of the white space in the, in the industry? I'm guessing you would say to uh, anyone in any job, uh, entrepreneur or someone has a day job, attend your industry conference because there's there sounds like there's a whole bunch of good reasons for doing so. Hundred um, percent. The it's massive and the network that you create, right? Like I've got connections that I'm still in contact with that I met in industry conferences from jobs you know ten years ago that. Wow. I'm not even in those spaces anymore, right? But I'm still connected with those people and I'm able to, you know, add value to them or connect them back, right? And so uh, those are really helpful, right? And I would say the other thing when you're at the conference, don't try to impress anyone, right? Like you don't need to justify yourself there, right? Just be you and be an open mind. And, you know, in doing so, you'll attract the right people. Yeah, totally agree. There's so many benefits to being to being at a conference. I'm so glad they're coming back after COVID when it's uh, the virtual conference didn't quite have the same effect as a live one does. But even, you know, trade show booths, uh, you can get some great ideas there. The serendipitous conversations you have over meals uh, with people that could turn into friends. And then, of course, just reinforcing what you said about the potential partners to do business with, uh, going in with a humble spirit not arrogance, uh, but an open mind ready to learn. You may not learn anything from the general sessions and the breakouts, although you probably will, but some of those side conversations could lead to friendships that last for a long time. It's almost always the side conversations, right? Sometimes <laughs> I won't even attend most of the general session. Yeah. Um, it's all about the relationships that are being built outside of that, the dinners, the happy hours, right? The pool time. Uh, those are Those are where the real connections are made. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Well, as I read more about you, the word strategic kept popping up for me uh, in everything you do. I like to have sort of a theme for each podcast episode. And that's what just kept coming to me about you. What's the opposite, Liam, of living life strategically? What are the negative consequences? Um, 
I don't know what the negative consequences are, right? Because that's just not my personality. <laughs> uh, I've seen people that are the opposite of me who have been very successful, but it's very whimsical, fly by the seat of your pants, right? Uh, <laughs> go where the opportunity takes you. Um, and, uh, you know, just dive into those different things, right? And so I think there's uh, strategic definitely is a word that describes me. Uh, I think there are some things that I might have missed out on because I'm too focused on what the plan is or what the strategy is ah, to okay. get it or execute. Um, but at the same time, it, it's my strength, right? And so that's where I've leaned in and that's where I've benefited. Uh, if I wasn't strategic, right, I think you have a lot more turmoil. Uh, you've got a lot more chaos. You've got a lot more ambiguity in the business. Uh, and having those things uh, makes it tough for other people to buy in, makes it tough to scale, uh, makes it tough to articulate to others where you're headed and why you're headed there, right? So for us, when we work with investors, there's got to be a clear path, right? They've got to trust you. They've got to know that you understand it, uh, that you see where the market's going, you know how to react to the market uh, as it comes up. And all of those things in my mind are very strategic components, right? And so that's why I'm in the business that I'm in because it, it, it dovetails very nicely to that. Yeah, I like how you also just were honest and saying sometimes uh, any strength overdone can become a weakness. So if you get too locked and loaded, um, this is the only way uh, you might be missing out on some other opportunities. You got to still stay flexible to that plan. But yeah, you brought up some some uh, nasty consequences there: turmoil, ambiguity, uh, tough to build trust because tough to articulate, tough to scale. Uh, you know, pinning gel to the wall what comes to mind when I think yep. about those who are not strategic. <laughs> or you chase the wrong thing, right? Imagine, right. Investing, you know, putting your money into developing a new, uh, whether it's product or attribute or service, and it doesn't correlate to what your market wants. Well, you just wasted a ton of money. Yes. Like, um, so. Oh, wasted time, wasted money. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and talk about the opposite of that. <laughs> when we come back, you're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can find out more about me on Facebook at Growing Forward Services and my guest, Liam Leonard, on Facebook. He's s.liam.leonard. We will be back after the break talking a little bit more about strategy and even a little bit about financial freedom and how to get there. Come on back. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry teams team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more, and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net.
You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back. Talking with Liam Leonard and a very strategic guy. He can't do it any other way. So uh, I actually want to talk about even how his passions and family life and work all centered around strategic pursuit. So, so Liam, first soccer, let's just, let's just start with something fun there. You played it, you watch it, you referee it professionally. How is the game of soccer similar to the game of life? So for me growing up and going through soccer, right. Um, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I always had to be the best, right. That was the competitive nature of me. Yeah. Um, so I ended up playing for some version of the youth national team, traveled with them, played in Italy, played in Brazil, Wow. Uh, played in college. <laughs> right. So, uh, it was a big component of it. Right. And I think as you're making the comparisons between, you know, the sport and life, uh, there's a tremendous amount of training that needs to be done, right? There needs to be a vision of where you want to head and who you want to be, right? Uh, what type of player, uh, how do you fit in with the team? What team best suits you? Uh, all of those things, right? So I went through, you know, several clubs before I found the one that I was the best fit at uh, for the playing style, for the manager, right? For the teammates, the right culture, right? All of those things are hugely important, right? And so as you as you draw correlations, right, you can think of the relationships that you have with your spouse, with your employer, right? How do you get those right so that you can be most successful, right? Uh, because to be the most successful in soccer, right, you have to you have to align yourself properly. You can be the best team, you can be the best player on a crappy team, and you're not going to get very far, right? right. So, um, how do you align all those pursuits, right? And it's going all the way to the training, right? What elements of your game do you need to train? Do you need to enhance? Uh, to be able to be more effective, right? Um, and so those are those are key components that come across, you know, in life as well uh, to make sure that, you know, what road are you on? Where do you want to head, right? What kind of man or woman do you want to be? You know, what do you want to leave behind when you're gone, right? Like all of those pieces, when you find the answer to those questions, right, can enable you to be a better player, better person in life as well, right? I think as I stopped playing and I transitioned to refereeing, you know, on the refereeing side, a big component is you've got to look ahead three, four, five, six, uh, you know, movements uh, of where the ball is going to be, right? You're always looking at, you know, as they say, high pressure, low pressure situation, right? And as you, you tackle life, it's very similar, right? The low pressure needs less of your attention and you're moving forward to where that next high pressure situation is or where you're anticipating that it would come. Um, And the same is true in life, right? Like you can be in a a very relaxing period, uh, but know that you're having another kid coming up or you're changing job, right? There's going to be those high intensity situations where you need to be present, right? You need to be very close. You need to be focused, right? Uh, And the same holds true, you know, from the refing aspect uh, into life as well. You must be in tremendous shape. Those referees, I see them on TV and I'm just like, they're running more than the other players combined. <laughs> yeah. I typically average six to eight miles a match. Wow. How intense. <laughs> well, great correlation though to life uh, for sure. Uh, and also then it goes to your family life, right? Living life strategically there. It's a choice whether or not each of us are going to prioritize our family and our core values to be the center of our life. 
how do you, Liam, intentionally do that? And maybe what are some temptations uh, where you can find yourself being pulled away possibly from that? So I didn't do it for a long time, right? Um, initially, my goal, uh, my goal in life was to be a CEO of a, a Fortune 100 company. Uh, I speak Chinese. I speak Spanish. I've lived in China. I've lived in South America. I lived in Spain, right? And so this idea of culture and moving across borders was uh, hugely important to me. And um, you know, nothing but the best or the highest position was going to satisfy me. So that naturally led to the CFO or the CEO role. Uh, I had prepped my entire career, right, going through different functions to be a very good, um, you know, general manager, right? And so that was hugely important. And uh, that was my focus, right? I had a, my wife and I have been together since high school, had a really strong relationship. And it didn't, didn't change for me until um, we were going to move to the next location. And my wife comes back and goes, when's it going to stop? Oh, like, the question. Mean, what, do you, what do you mean? When's it going to stop? We're doing great, right? I've, I'm in bigger and better roles, right? We're making more money. Like, isn't this wonderful? And she's like, "Well, I see you less. You travel more. Uh, our relationship is not as strong." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, okay, maybe just one or two more." And then the next conversation was, "Do you want to be a father?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Do I, I? We've talked about this. Of course, I want to be a father." And she's like, "Well, what kind of father do you want to be?" Because mm. it looks like you'd be an absentee father. And it was like, oh, <laughs> knife right to the heart, right? And so uh, that made me realize that some of the things that I had been prioritizing, right? My strategic direction was always to be more, 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 better, 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 higher, higher, higher. Um, and it forced me to rethink that there's got to be a different way, right? And that different way was putting family and relationships at the center, right? Uh what did I want to be known for when I wasn't here anymore? Right. Like it wasn't that I had a lot of money and I ran a big company, right. Cause at the end of the day, no one really cares. Right. But rather, right. What was the relationship like with my, my wife and my kids, uh, where they set up for success, where they, did they become great people? Um, are we enriching the lives of others? Are we active in our community and being able to give back? Right. Those are the things that became the focus and now drive me. Um, and everything, is centered around that, right? So um, same with our company, right? If there's something that's come up uh, that someone needs to take time and it's no questions asked, right? Like you go take care of what you need. The the business will be here, right? The same problems will be here tomorrow that are here today, right? That there'll be more opportunities to close more deals, find more investors. That never changes, right? Um, Relationships with people, right? Seeing your dad before they pass, right? Like some of those things, like, you don't want those regrets there hanging over you for the rest of your life. And so that philosophy, right. And mentality permeates everything. Yeah. You've probably heard the illustration of the glass balls and the rubber balls uh, being your priorities. Right. And the rubber balls are usually the work relationships that will bounce back. Like you said, you can always find uh, another investor. You can always make another dollar, but the glass balls, you drop those, which are your family. Uh, you know, and your friendships and your values, those will shatter and uh, you can't piece those back quite as well. You could probably bounce back somewhat, but yeah, we want to make sure that those get solidified. So Liam, what boundaries do you have to put into your life knowing you're such a driven individual, probably a lot of type A's listening to this podcast. Uh, so what do you, what do you do to, to sort of hedge to make sure your values, your family are first? 
So one thing I learned, uh, very tactical that might help the audience, right? Like I would work 12 hour days, right? And I would tell my team, you don't have to work 12 hour days. You work your eight hours, right? But don't need to respond to me. Naturally, what happened is everyone mimicked what I put out. Yes. Right. So I'm <laughs> yep. working nine to 12. Everyone else felt compelled to work nine to 12. And then everyone else was overworked, exhausted, burnt out, not happy. Right. And it was like, okay, that's not right. So in terms of guardrails, right. Uh, eight to six, right. There's no emails outside of eight to six. I'm not online outside of eight to six. I don't respond. I don't communicate. Right. Because if I'm communicating, others are communicating. Uh, and to be able to set that example and put those guardrails for other people too, right? Uh, that needs to go in place. Um, at home, uh, a lot of us are working from home today. I've got a home office. My cell phone doesn't leave the office. Uh, doesn't come out, right? If if it comes out, I'm checking email. I'm doing stupid crap on social media that's sucking my time and taking me into the dark vortex of uh, no value add and I'm missing opportunities to connect, right? So being present is hugely important. Um, similar to that, right? Making sure I'm having dinner and breakfast with the family every day at the table, sitting down, talking, right? Like no devices, no TV. Like we are just sitting and talking and building those relationships. Um, and so those are, you know, some of the big guardrails that I've got. I've taken the strategic process for what I've done in business and I've applied it to my personal life as well, right? Because I'm so driven, yeah. so strategic. What I found is uh, why wouldn't I take those things that made me successful in business and apply them on the home front? Right. Like, why wouldn't you have a weekly meeting with your spouse on what's to come? Right. <laughs> Think about it. Like imagine all those things that you could talk about, right. To set expectations, be more clear. Um, and so there's a, a guy that I met, his name is David Hensel. He's got a program called Managing Happiness. And it's all about, for those people who are who, hugely strategic, how do you take that and, and imprint that onto personal life, right? And so uh, now we take quarterly trips as a family somewhere, right? My wife and I have uh, date night every single week religiously, yep. right? Um, we've got the core priorities for our family, that are nailed down, right? Uh, helps us make decisions on what we want to do or not do, right? And so it's just been a much happier, more fulfilled life as a result of having these guardrails in place. Wow, those are great guardrails. And maybe if you're listening today, that was the whole gem for you from this podcast is to implement some of those. I, I had not heard the keep the cell phone literally in the home office room and it doesn't come out. I, I think that one's uh, that one's brilliant. Uh, so if you're walking around the house, you know, it's not going to be about work because the cell phone is not going to be in your hand. That one's really great. Yeah, we do the date night uh, as well and always have. Uh, and yeah, I block my time. I love time management stuff. So I block my time with uh, family, friends, exercise, my core values first, uh, and then work can fill in around that. So yeah, taking those principles that you are successful in business, bringing them over into your work life into your home life and yet now making it plastic of course too i tease my wife when she says the reason i'm calling you today on the phone i'm like how about hi honey you know yeah i always tease the, her about that the other part as you're talking about time management paul is i've blocked off every day before noon uh there are no reoccurring meetings before noon wow cool um 
So it's either strategic thinking time, right? Or it's, uh, you know, if there's a priority that pops up that's super important, I can choose to put it in there. But what it does is it makes sure that all the noise doesn't fill you up, right? Because too often when your calendar's open, you're back to back like I was today and running late and ashamed of, right? But uh, having those blocks make sure that, right, you're really focused on the things that matter. And so, you know, reducing that time for noise to be able to infiltrate, uh, I'll say, uh, certainly helps. Yeah, I think it's Parkinson's law that says tasks uh, expand to fill the time allotted. (laughs) So if you allow allow things to just sort of take over, uh, it does, like you said, fill, it just fills in those gaps. But if you uh, protect that time with boundaries, uh, better chance that you're going to have that time to drink uh, to drink, to th- to think. That was Freudian slip there. Uh, to think and dream, dream, dream and think together is drink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to plan, uh, to put your family first. All those different things that most of my clients would say, I don't have time for any of that stuff. You know, it do- it doesn't fit in the flow of my life. Well, it can, it can. Uh, you would have to do life differently. And if you want extraordinary results, you've got to do extraordinary things that nobody else is doing. So you have actually. Uh, are modeling that to your team and all the listeners here today. That's cool. Now your job also, go ahead. One of my new hires who started recently, uh, he responded back at like eight and I'm like, get off your phone. (laughs) And, uh, you know, his kids come home at two. I said, go take 15 minutes and spend them with your kids. And his wife was super concerned. And his wife went to him and was like, are you okay? Are you going to get fired? Can you take this time? Right. And just be, <laughs> to your point, you've got to do things differently. Right. And if you yeah. don't do things differently, you're going to get sucked into the same old, same old and the way that, you know, consumeristic corporate America wants to drive you. Yep. Yep. Well, your job of course is all about strategy. I actually saved it for last. And that was cool because soccer and family were a lot more fun to talk about. Uh, but I can't imagine investing aimlessly and getting any success at all. So what have you learned more broadly about how people's investment strategies and how they approach their life actually correspond? You've probably actually seen personality styles play out in their investment strategy and how they live their life and maybe some other things along those lines. Yeah, I think two things come to mind, right? Number one is there's there's no singular right way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many ways that you can, you know, achieve success in life and same in the investment world, right? Like, I don't know anything about crypto, but I know certain people will make a lot of money on crypto, right? <laughs> it's just not me, right? So you've got all these different um, avenues, right? Like you want to earn consistent returns, you want to be in the real estate game, happy to help, right? Like that's where my expert. And so each person has different you know, expertise and can do things differently, right? And I think embracing that and knowing that as an investor, right, takes some pressure off, right? Because now you can explore and have meaningful conversations with different folks, knowing that there's not one singular, you know, right answer. I think the other component, right, and this is where the strategic side of me comes in, is you need to understand what's going on and you need to have a you know outcome and you need to figure out how to protect yourself in a given investment right or you need to say that this is just a uh, i'm putting a thousand on black and if it hits great and if i lose it then fine right <laughs> different ways to approach it right uh, and you need to be very clear with what that is and how you're going in on the front end 
because that will determine that sets your expectations and that determines your fulfillment at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, we're not after a number, right? Well, some people are, I'm not after a number. I'm after the fulfillment and the purpose, right? And that's all about setting the expectations on the front end. So you can be successful with that fulfillment and the purpose on the back, right? So in terms of approaching those investment decisions, right? A lot of them for me are all about cash flow. Um, uh, I'm not into quick wins. I'm not into, you know, fast gains. For me, it's, it's always the long game. I've been slow and steady. And so my investments mirror that, right? And so for me, there's a lot of analytics that go into the front end and making sure, you know, uh, what's the sensitivity analysis that goes with a given investment, right? If something turns, do we have reserves? What does that look like? Does this still pan out? Uh, all of that goes into the front end, which means I say no to 95% of stuff that comes across the table, right? Um, it's very rare that we're saying yes. Uh, and that's intentional, right? Because there's a clear strategy that we're going after. Uh, and we want to make sure it fits the strategy for us and that we've communicated to our investors, right? That uh, we've seen a success and what we deliver. Yeah, must fit the strategy before a yes. I could really see how that applies to everything in life, right? Your life vision, your marriage vision, your your health uh, and wellness regimen, uh, that you would run that through your strategy and your vision first before you say yes or no, instead of it just like, oh, sure, we can make that work. Uh, but but there's a lot on, on that front end of the screening process. Wow, 95% of the time you say no. That's fascinating. Yep, a lot of no. Um, I think the other part that you were talking through, right, is when we say yes to everything, we're we're subconsciously saying no to a lot of a lot of things, right? Right. So you're saying no to uh, you know spending time with the family. You're saying no to going to the kids' game. You're saying no to being home to dinner. You're saying no to, right? And when you stack those things up, really, do I want to say no to having dinner with my family over saying yes to you know responding to an email? Like for me, it's a no-brainer, right? But too often we're caught up in saying yes and thinking we can do everything. And it's a recipe for disaster in my mind, right? And so that front end thought process of uh, running it through the vision, where do you sit? You know, what do you want? Having that choice, right? Choice is a huge value for us in the company. Um, nothing happens to you, right? You choose what you want to do. You yeah. don't need to come to work today, right? You don't have to come to work today. If you're coming, you choose to be here. Uh, and if something takes you away, you choose to, you know, step away for a time being. And that's a, a different mindset that sets you up for different life. It's true. It's all a choice. And uh, I bought I bought the yes button and the no button, you know, that I think you can get it like an office supply store. I bought them on Amazon. You know, I even bought the maybe button just, just for fun. <laughs> well, I hope that no button is worn out for you now. That's right, right. That's you can't, you can't even see the N and the O, right? No. <laughs> yeah, you protect you protect a yes with a thousand no's, I think one speaker said. And I just thought that's exactly what you're saying right there. Well, maybe you can also help our listeners today with just a few essentials for a healthy pursuit of financial freedom, because I think a lot of people have that as an ultimate goal, financial freedom, right? And they're, they're just like, oh, you know, and it's like, but it's way out there and maybe I can never attain it. But I would bet you would say, no, you can get there. How would you say? So financial freedom to me is defined as uh, income coming in from investments that offsets living expenses. Nice. If you don't have to 
worry about a job covering your living expenses. You can now do whatever you want, right? I think, Paul, you share a very similar mindset. So for me, that then becomes, what are the sort of investments that you can have that will allow you to do that, right? The simple truth is stock investments, fix and flips, right? Appreciation and housing. None of that is cash flow, right? Those are just chunks of money that would come in, right? And so if you have chunks of money coming in and nothing is working for you to generate cash flow of some kind, then really all you're doing is buying a buffer, right? It's effectively the two-year buffer that I, I spoke about between quitting corporate and you know the, the company really taking off. You buy yourself a buffer, but you don't buy yourself true freedom, right? True freedom comes when you've got that excess passive cash flow, right? Whatever you want to call it that's coming in, right? And so for me, it would be explore what those look like, right? Those could be dividend stocks, right? Those could be bonds. Those could be uh, private note investments. They could be real estate, right? They could be companies like ours, right? Lots of different ways. It could be rental, um, rental houses, right? Where you've got income coming in that's offsetting expenses and you've got extra, right? what are those things and what are you comfortable with and who's in your network that you trust that can, uh, you know, be alongside on that journey. But for me, it's how do you build that up? Right. Uh, when you build that up, you free yourself to have pure choice in whatever you want to do. Uh, and there's nothing more powerful in my mind than that. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. I also enjoy guesting on your prosperity perspective podcast. That's a mouthful. Prosperity Perspective Podcast. What are some of the best things you've learned from your guests as a host and a learner just by hosting the podcast? Um, I host the podcast for the network and for my learning, right? Um, I obviously hope that it helps uh, the audience of the podcast as well, but I've grown exponentially, right? David Hensel that I was talking about with Managing Happiness, he was a guest on my podcast. Uh, one of my coaches today that I work with, Katie Richardson, um, she was a guest on my podcast, um, right? The guy I just did some marketing work with, uh, George Bryant, he was a guest on my podcast, right? And so uh, it goes back to the first question we talked about, right? The network that it creates and these people that can help you, right? Um, it's a tremendous way to bring those together and really share resources among people, uh, to help them be successful and enrich people's lives, right? And so that piece has been phenomenal for me um, in terms of what those learnings are, right? And there, there's so many learnings, it's tough to articulate, but I wouldn't be where I am today talking about the things I am without having those experiences with those folks, wow. um, right? They've helped reshape and push me and hold me accountable to get me to where I am today. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Last two questions for you, Liam. What do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development? And how can our listeners best contact you and all you have to offer? Personal leadership development, go find a coach. Um, it, it, it's a really tough, arduous journey if you try to do it on your own. Um, I tried. I failed. I tried again. I failed. I lied to myself. I convinced myself, right? Um, you need someone on the outside who can help push you to where you want to get or really where that starts is help think through some of the questions that are bouncing around your head, yeah. right. That are inhibiting you to get from getting where you want to get. Right. Uh, I know a lot of uh, some people have a negative connotation of coaches and what they do, but it's all about finding the right one that has the right relationship with you. Right. The coach that works for me is not going to work for everyone. Um, right. 
you've got to have that right connection. You've got to have the right experience set, right? Uh, So that they can add value there, right? So if if you're into personal development, go find a coach who you can talk to on a weekly basis, who's going to keep you accountable. Uh, and really, you know, work through different things. Out of that will come a whole host of personal development things, uh, how to be coachable, right? Uh, different books you can read, et cetera. So uh, that's what I would say there. Um, in terms of people who want to reach out to me, best way to reach me is uh, via email, right? Uh, you can reach me at liam.leonard at dmlcap.com. Uh, cap is C-A-P, like baseball cap, uh, or by like capital. Um, and that's the best way. Uh, if you reach out, uh, you know, happy to respond and, you know, see how I can help in any way. Thank you so much for all the value you added uh, here at the Grow Forward Today podcast and have a great second half of your year. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Always a pleasure. The GFT podcast is about putting the practical tips from my guests into action. I've got some takeaways from Liam today. I take extensive notes on these and it's like, oh, it's so hard to limit it to three, but let's go back to the networks that we talked about, who you know is more than what you know. They're going to challenge you, push you. Uh, You give back to them, add value to them. Opportunities to see that you don't see, inspiration to do great things like they are. And uh, you can be a concierge of connecting, the term that we sort of coined today. We can also do that at conferences Uh, You might be an entrepreneur, and if you ask those questions like, what's next? What can I solve? Uh, You don't care what other people think, right? There's a better way. There, there, You might have something in you that you need to start a side hustle to start heading that direction. And you can right now be an entrepreneur uh, while you're in your day job. And also, I loved how he talked about how soccer is like life uh, and and even in relationships where you need to find the place where you're going to be successful, uh, which is, has the same culture and has a great manager and the style that you have. And uh, then it also helps you like know how to train and how to pursue, pursue your own professional development because you want to perform well on that team, whatever it is. And of course, find a coach. We'll throw that one in there as well. So if you don't put something in action within 72 hours of learning it, those gems start to slip away. So I'm going to encourage you to apply what you have learned today. Thanks for listening to episode 28. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.